Welcome to Him for Her Radio, women's hot topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Suge Burry. What happen if you say what you want to say? I don't want to waste any time. Let's I, not waste we any gotta time. we got to get to it today because <laughs> we have got a hot topic. And this is part two. I encourage you to go to part one. My name is Suge Burry, him for her radio women's hot topics. And the hot topic today of this part two is the great debate. It's still happening today, which actually just shocks me and surprises me. But should women preach and lead? <gasps> I know it's amazing. I know we're scandalous talking. We just we do that from time to time. Um, go back to our podcast if you would to part one that was already aired and listen to our guests. We have two fabulous guests, Doctor Nicholas Shazer and Reverend Melissa Shazer. You guys, thank you so much for coming on the air. Thanks, Shazer. I'm so glad that I brought some smart people with me, John, so I could just. Learn, learn, learn today. We need it. We need it, right? I know. It's just so informative. Should women preach and lead? Now, if you were to ask Suge right off the get-go, I would say absolutely, according to the gifts that God has given you. You know, if God's leading you in that direction, if God is giving you the spiritual gifting, but then also I wholeheartedly believe 100% in God's word and exactly what it says. And so in part one, Dr. Nicholas Shazer shared with us a little bit about that tension of what scripture talks about. Well, what's the scripture I'm talking about? I'm talking about from 1 Timothy 2, verse 11 and 12, a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. Verse 12 says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. And Nick, can you just summarize that for us really quickly, what what this verse means? Sure. Uh, so the verse just needs to be taken in the broader context of, of Scripture itself, which over and over and over in both the Old Testament and the New Testament is constantly giving us examples of female leadership, female autonomy, female teaching. Um, and so what we have to understand is, this text is written to a group in, in Ephesus, uh, written to Timothy, really, but who's in Ephesus. And uh, the problem uh, that's going on under Timothy is, is a, a hardness of heart among the, the community. And, and Paul uh, writes this text about women being silent uh, and not having authority to teach. But elsewhere, Paul is constantly talking about women being on equal pegging with men and actually being co-workers with him in the gospel. For example, you can get this in Philippians chapter 4 and in Romans 16. In point of fact, Phoebe uh, is called a deacon, uh, which is a, a, a role that's right up next to a bishop. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so clearly women have leadership roles in the church. So what we have to do is take this text in First Timothy as a text that perhaps is being given to a community because of the problem of hardness of heart. And this dovetails with what Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 19, insofar as Moses in Deuteronomy gives the command that it's okay to divorce your wife because of a hardness of heart, but from the beginning, that was not so. Well, just the same way, from the beginning, it was not so that women couldn't teach or preach. Ladies, can you tell he's super smart? I love that about Dr. Nicholas Shazer. He is a visiting assistant professor of Jewish studies at McAllister College, as well as he's got his PhD in biblical studies. He's super smart. Listen to our first show to hear his bio as well. And then with him is his wife, 
Um, Reverend Melissa Shazer, she is a pastor of Congregational Care and Lay Empowerment at CPC, which is called Christ Presbyterian Church in Edina. And, and you have had just a wealth of information as you are in the church, Melissa, and you're leading as well. Can you tell us, how did you first even hear this calling? Well, I actually started living into my calling, I would say, before I I knew that I was called. I accepted Christ when I was pretty young. I was 10 years old when I accepted Christ, but it was a, a transformational moment for me. I was a child who came back from a Bible camp, told my parents that I was following Jesus, and they weren't totally sure what to do, but they knew that I needed mentors and that I needed ministries to get involved in. And so I started reading scripture on my own, and then I started uh, getting involved with Young Life and Wildlife and some other ministries that allowed me to have mentors who could walk me through scripture and do Bible studies with me. And out of that, I started leading Bible studies when I was a teenager. Wow. So As I was doing that, I started attending a non-denominational church, and there was a sermon one morning. I was 15 years old, and they were asking what our contribution to the kingdom would be. And I remember sitting and praying about it and recognizing that I was already spending every spare moment of my time leading Bible studies and trying to help people come to know Jesus as their Savior. And it just dawned on me that anything less than that would be less than what God wanted for me. Mm. So from there, I I wasn't totally sure what to do. The church I attended at the time didn't have women in pastoral leadership, in upfront speaking type of leadership. And so I I shared this with some mentors, and they encouraged me in a few different ministry directions. But I would say it was at that point that God started unfolding what ministry would look like for me. You know, I think you were probably the perfect child. No, no. You weren't a rebellious teen at all. I, I followed Jesus as my first priority, certainly, and uh, I know I wasn't a rebellious teen, but um, but it was because I think God was trying to use those years to shape me mm-hmm. and, and form me into the ministry that I would go into. Wow. Leading Bible studies at such a young age. That's amazing. Say, um, Dr. Nick, may I, add, may I call you Nick? Is that all right? Indeed. Dr. Nick. I like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So tell us, how were you first called um, into Jewish studies and what you do now? Oh, wow. So um, Melissa grew up an Episcopalian. I grew up a Catholic. And uh, so we're always, um, you know, exposed to the Bible and biblical stories. And I always enjoyed those. But it wasn't until after college that I really got um, uh, very much obsessed with the biblical text, particularly the Old Testament. Um, I just one day opened to Genesis 1-1 and kind of said, all right, well, let's really get down to this and see what this is all about. Right at the beginning. Yeah, that's right. Imagine that starting from the beginning. Um, And uh and I just got, you know, obsessed with it early on. I wanted to spend every moment that I could outside of work and school just studying this text. And actually, I after college, I moved to London and I lived there for a few years and I was in a, a rock band in London. And I was blessed because I got to play gigs at night and was fairly open during the day. So I would read the Bible. I got a book and I taught myself Hebrew and it just sort of enveloped my life. And it was after that time, after about three years in London, that I moved back to the United States to pursue graduate school in biblical studies. Wow. Wow. That is a fun story. A rockin' biblical scholar. I just love it. That's that's amazing. <laughs> so, um, Reverend Melissa, if you would share with us a little bit about your journey once you've decided that you're going to become a pastor, what was your first preaching experience like in the church? 
My first preaching experience happened when I was in college. I, uh, you know, when I was uh, coming out of this feeling of being called when I was 15, I was kind of encouraged more toward children's ministry and missions work, frankly, because that's um, those fields have been more open to women historically. And I would still say even today, women are more encouraged to go toward those directions. So I did both of those, but neither of them really felt like that was where God was calling me. I then, uh, while I was in my undergraduate studies, I was studying Bible and religion, met a pastor who was running a really grassroots church in Anderson, Indiana, and he invited me into a collaborative teaching pool. We would meet for three to four hours on a Tuesday night. It was maybe one or two other women, but predominantly men who would get together and talk about one chapter of the Bible for three to four hours straight. Mm. And it was in that setting that I realized that God could use my voice to shape sermons and to contribute to the life of the church. And it was in that setting that I first was able to preach. Ladies, if you're just listening, this is Shugbury, him for her radio. And today's topic is a hot one. It's the great debate. Should women preach and lead? Now, we are a listener-supported radio show. And so I encourage you to go online, find us, himforherministries.org. Click the donate button, if you would, please, so we can continue to bring these hot topics to the United States. And you know what, ladies? There's a lot of hot topics. You can turn on TV. You can see all sorts of hot topics uh, for women. But are they looking at it through the lens of Christ? And that's what this topic is about today. Many people have asked me, Suge, we want to hear um, what people are saying about should women preach and should they lead? And scripture says this, but yet we feel this. And so this is the part that I want to ask you, uh, Reverend, if I could. What benefits are there in having women lead in church? There are so many benefits to having women lead in the church. Part of it goes to what we discussed during part one about the Holy Spirit embodying people and using women and men to spread the message of Jesus Christ. That is one of the biggest values. And even more than that, it matters that women preach because women, it's the embodiment piece. When people see a woman preaching, especially younger women, there's a different relatability. They're able to see someone who maybe looks like them or has similar experiences to them. Perhaps there are a, a few uh, less sports illustrations in my sermons, <laughs> but but I'm able to to be relatable to an entirely different community. And frankly, I think there's a comfortability level there. Um, and in my pastoral ministry, I'm able to offer care in not a better way or a worse way, but just in a different way because I am a young woman. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that you would be very approachable for a lot of the younger generation as well, um, you know, women in general, to come to you and to share their hearts and open up. Um, you know, they struggle or they have difficulty talking to a male or maybe their situation uh, in, is impacted by a male. So they want to come and speak to a woman in leadership as well. Absolutely. In counseling. Yeah, that would be very helpful. Now, you might be asking yourself, yeah, but should, Scripture says one thing. There's this tension in the air. What do I do if I'm called to leadership? What do I do if I'm called um, by Christ? And you just feel so strongly. Well, let me tell you just a second about my story. I remember on my knees crying before the Lord, knowing he was calling me to be an evangelist, knowing that he had an opportunity for me to stand up and share the gospel. Like my favorite part of the day would be, who am I going to be able to share the gospel with today? And the more, the better. And so God uses different seasons of our life. Wouldn't you agree? He uses different seasons of our life to um, mature us, whether it be in in parenting, 
um, whether it be in theology, whether it be in experiences. And as a matter of fact, I used to think I was a teacher and a leader before I knew I was an evangelist. And it wasn't until I started studying about spiritual gifts and those spiritual gifts that God gives us, especially as an evangelist, that God will use us. And I have had people come to me, especially in Africa, and turn their backs in such a way where they're like, nope, you're a female, you're preaching, that's not what God's word says. What would you respond to them on that? I would just echo what you said about uh, the Holy Spirit using our life experiences in order to unfold the calling that God has for us. And, and I often think about Paul and Paul's ministry journey. Paul didn't know he would end up in Rome. When he started off, he had no clue that that's where God was going to lead him. But the Holy Spirit was with him on every step of his journey, keeping him from going some places Mm -hmm. and leading him into the path that God wanted him to be. I think each one of us, if we dedicate ourselves to prayer and to discernment and to listening to where God wants us to be, God is going to be the one who, who continues to use those gifts, experiences, people in our lives who speak truth to us. God will use those things in order to lead us where we're meant to be. Amen. Amen. So ladies, if you're getting called, if you feel God's pulling on your heartstrings right now, drop to the floor and start to talk to God about this. Jesus, what's the path you have laid out for me? What is it that you wanted me to do for my life? And it it might not be that you're in a leadership role in a church, but God is calling you to something for his purposes, which I get really super excited about. Now, I'm going to ask you another question if I could. You know, as moms, there's a big tension as well in ministry and motherhood. We did a whole show just on that. So listen in, ladies, to that. How are you able to balance um, your leadership in the church and then also being a mother of beautiful Lydia, who's two years old? I frankly think that my uh, pastoral ministry has grown and uh, become even more dynamic since I've become a mother. And I think that my motherhood is actually uh, benefited by my also being a pastor. I I really think that it is mutually beneficial in a similar way that probably most men who are pastors and also fathers can feel that development as well. Uh, There, of course, is work-life balance for every single pastor out there. And so it's a matter of managing time, making the right yeses so that you can also make the right noes and keeping enough space in your life for your family first and also ministry. But I think about uh, people, young women and families who have come to me, and I can relate to them in a different way because I have my own daughter and have had similar experiences of sleeplessness and, uh, and have gone through the process of being pregnant. While I was pregnant, I was also in the pulpit and mm-hmm. preaching. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, there's a certain dynamism there. I also have these beautiful memories of being up on stage preaching to a large congregation and seeing my little girl standing in the back going, Mama, oh, <laughs> and so coming running mom. forward. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's something beautiful about modeling for her what it means to be a leader and to follow where God is calling me. Mm-hmm. And my hope and prayer is that she sees that and is able to emulate that as she grows up. Mm-hmm. And that you're turning to Scripture. Yes. You know, and that Scripture is the center of your life. Uh, we did a, a, another show as well that we, we talked about um, at the beginning of the new year where the Bible is the center of your life. It is the core of your life. And you both are such good examples of that as husband and wife and also in the different leadership roles that you both have. Nick, could you share with me a little bit on how you're able to balance that uh, that great debate between uh, your wife being a, a pastor as well as being a mother? Yeah, well, I'm very blessed to have a wife who's a pastor. Um, it's wonderful to raise our daughter in that kind of a home, right, in such a Bible-centric home and, and such a place that is 
consistently thinking about God, consistently speaking about Jesus. I mean, this is a huge blessing for both of us. And um, I think there's a, a mutual, you know, give and take. We both support each other, which is a constant trope of Paul in the New Testament. Um, and so I'm just I'm just blessed to be able to live that out, uh, live that sort of Christian calling out of mutual respect and and bearing one another's burdens in in the context of of being a father and being a mother. You know, it's just it's a new world today, and where both parents are chipping in and really supporting in that role. Um, ladies, again, this is the great debate: should women preach and should they lead? And we've talked uh, with Dr. Nicholas Shazer about that scripturally. We are sharing as well with Reverend Melissa Shazer as she talks about being a pastor in a very large church and the balance that they have uh, between that tension of what scripture says. Now, as I was researching this and learning about the different areas and the different comments people had, um, I really appreciated what Anne Graham Lotz had said. She said in her ministry It's to preach the good news to whoever the Lord Jesus brings in her path. Now, don't you guys think that's the truth? It doesn't matter what your title is, what your role is, you know, what you're designated to do, maybe educationally. But when God calls you in such a powerful way like he has uh, Mrs. Lotz, it's amazing. And she goes on to write, she says, Mary Magdalene was actually the very first evangelist. Well, my favorite gal, you know, because she was kind of controversial. And since Jesus had obviously been present when Peter and John were there, why did he withhold himself from them? But instead, Jesus revealed himself to Mary. He could have so easily have given the task of announcing his resurrection to Peter and to John, but instead he had given it to Mary. I believe he was making an undeniable, obvious statement that reverberates through the centuries right up until our own day. Women are commanded and commissioned to serve Jesus Christ in whatever capacity he calls them in, within or without the organized church, in word or in deed. Well said, Mrs. Lotz. I love what she shares. And I do feel that both of you are really living that out today as well. Uh, well, I really appreciate that, and I appreciate that quotation as well. I mean, it's another good example, actually, of women teaching in the biblical text, right? They, uh, the, the first people are women who see Jesus raised from the dead, and they actually teach that truth. That is the first oiangelion in Greek, the first gospel, the first good news. They teach that to the male disciples. So right off the bat, in the New Testament, we've got women and uh, teaching and preaching uh, to all about the good news. So I really appreciated that that comment. And I also, I use that passage a lot when I talk about sisterhood in ministry. And there's a beautiful sisterhood that we find between Mary Magdalene and Mary and Joanna and so many other women in the New Testament. And I think, uh, women, if you are considering going into ministry or or at least praying about where God's calling you, find sisterhood, find other women who are also proclaiming the good news and who are also discerning where where God is calling you, because their voices can often be voices that the Holy Spirit uses to guide you, whether it's through education or into a new leadership role. And ladies, you know, we broadcast this throughout the whole United States. And so there's different ways that you can find that sisterhood. I love that fact you brought that up. Thank you very much. Can you give our listeners some suggestions on where to even start in that? 
I think part of it is is finding community. And so uh, the church is the first place to start. Uh, One of the tropes that I say a lot is that we can't be what we can't see. And so if you feel called into a certain type of ministry, find someone who's doing it already and meet with them, grab a cup of coffee with them, see if a mentorship could bloom there. And then find whether it is a small group uh, or a different type of ministry where you can discern what your calling is meant to be. There's a beauty in mentorship. There's also a beauty in colleagueship, having other women who are in a similar thing together. I have a pastor's group of women here in the Twin Cities, and we meet once a month. We're all at different churches, and we just talk about the challenges that we're facing, the things we're praising God for, and we all pray together. Mm, I love that. You know, ladies, we did a show on mentorship with Bev Canaris as well as we did a show on spiritual gifts, and it was called, God, Why Did You Make Me This Way? And so I encourage you to listen to those because we really go into detail um, with what Reverend Melissa had just shared with us. And it's so true. I mean, we need each other, don't we? As women and men, as communities, we need each other to support, to lift up, to encourage. And when it comes to God, I don't want to get in the way of God. If he's calling you ladies to something, don't allow anything to get in the way of God's call. That's the first utmost thing. So, um, Nick, how are you going to encourage your sweet little Lydia in her calling? And how are you going to help her discover her spiritual gifts? Well, we're, we're already starting to learn Hebrew together. Uh, she's she's uh, And she's two? She's two years old, yeah. She, uh, she knows her English alphabet uh, from A to Z already. And so we've moved into the Aleph Beit, the Hebrew alphabet, and she's about midway through that. So We'll certainly be learning Hebrew together. We'll certainly be um, reading scripture together, and we pray every night together as a family. We make that, and she bows her little head and closes her little eyes. Um, so, you know, going forward, cultivating those practices uh, in our home is, is just going to be a real gift. We're really looking forward to it. And there's also something beautiful about having a, a church home who loves her and knows her already. Uh, she spends a decent amount of time at church because her mom's one of the pastors at the church. And I can already see her um, becoming comfortable in that space and her recognition of some of our church members who love her dearly. I went and got her out of child care a few Sundays ago, and she saw one of the women who has just invested in her. And she demanded that I set her down because she needed to run up and give her a hug. Oh, there's something beautiful about surrounding her with community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's amazing, even at an early age, you can start to see their spiritual gifts come out, you know, how God has created them. I remember standing in front of a glass sliding door with a wooden spoon, and I would be singing, thinking I was Barbara Streisand or whoever, but really God was preparing me for the masses because I love to preach in front of the masses. If you were to say, Shug, you got a one-on-one, I get a little uncomfortable with it. But if you said, you know, we're going to have 10,000 inmates in Rwanda, I get super pumped and excited. And, and not only that, we get a front row seat, each of us, with our different gifts in leadership, in teaching, uh, et cetera, all of the spiritual gifts that Scripture talks about. Look them up, ladies. We are told and commanded that we are to discover our spiritual gifts, and then we are to sharpen them, meaning use them, try them. And most likely, other people will tell you what your spiritual gifts are before you even know what they are. Um, you know, I didn't right away know that I was an evangelist, but I thought I had other spiritual gifts as well. And as God took me and gave me those supporting gifts, um, I was amazed at how I could just share the gospel and people come to Christ. And that's really why we're here, isn't it? We're here today to talk about what Jesus' impact can be in our life. And ladies, if you don't have Jesus in your life, you are missing it. You are missing it wholeheartedly. You're just not tapping the potential and victory that you can have in your life. That same power that rose a dead man from the grave, you can have in you 
by saying yes to Jesus Christ today. It's simple. It's a simple prayer. Father, I am a sinner. I ask you come into my life. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for me and that you rose from the dead on my behalf. Help me to follow you for the rest of my days. Ladies, it's a simple prayer, and I encourage you to do that today. Would you tell somebody else that you said that prayer for the first time? Or write in to us and let us know at himforherministries.org. Himforherministries.org. I'm so thankful that we have two fabulous guests here today, Dr. Nicholas Shazer and Reverend Melissa Shazer. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing our hot topic, the great debate, should women preach and should they lead? Would you guys come back again? We would love to. Absolutely. I love it. Thank you so much, Shug. Thanks, Shug. And to my friends out there that are listening, you know I love you. This is Shug Burry, Him for Her Radio, over and out.